are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. Boy, I have a really fun one for you this week. I sat down with George Gilbert, who is a firefighter, a former elite triathlete, a mountaineer, and most recently, the co-founder of the Antarctic Fire Angels, which is a team of five female firefighters who are on a mission to ski to the South Pole to raise money for charity, and importantly, to show women that they are limitless. This mission, which will take place in November of 2023, entails skiing 1,130 kilometers, that's just over 700 miles, from the coast of Antarctica to the South Pole. The journey will be unassisted and unsupported, and they'll be pulling 80K or 175-pound supply sleds in temperatures as low as minus 50C, which is nearly 60 below in Fahrenheit. And if that's not enough, there will be possible wind speeds of over 60 miles per hour. And their goal is to do this in 55 days. Oh, and why we're here? George is currently deep in perimenopause and is trying to navigate this in this new world of low moods, lagging motivation, random crime scene periods, and her first hot flash, which happened out of the blue while training in Sweden. Those hot flashes are a big deal because sweating is dangerous when it's 60 below and you can't exactly strip down and expose your flush because frostbite sets in fast. We talk about all of that here. And speaking of hot flashes, towards the end of this interview, I suggest that she might want to consider looking into hormone therapy because if the hot flashes get bad, that's a way to control them. And Again, it can be a real issue when you were trying to avoid sweating at the South Pole. And she says she's looking into it for other reasons as well. And she mentions that she heard on television that if you don't take HRT, you're increasing your risk of Alzheimer's by 80%. And that was kind of freaking her out. And I pressed back a little bit on that in the episode, because as we discussed in episode 78 of this show with Dr. Carla DiGirolamo... The research on hormone therapy is ongoing and not yet settled, and that sounded like a really big number. So I felt the need to look that up, and I found it. It was from a documentary in the UK where a doctor is quoted that estrogen can reduce risk of dementia by 50 to 80%. So just a couple of quick points here. One is that when you throw progesterone in the mix, as is often the case with hormone therapy, the risk profile changes. A study published in the BMJ Medical Journal last year reported that there was a slight increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease among women who used estrogen progesterone therapies for between five and nine years and for 10 years or longer. Now, it's not a big thing. It translated into five and seven extra dementia cases per 10,000 women. But it's just important to point out because a lot of these stats get tossed out without context. And I also just think it's important to bring clarity whenever we can because of that. It's also worth noting that the Alzheimer's Society itself responded to that documentary that George was quoting. And they said, studies looking at whether replenishing estrogen levels using HRT can reduce women's risk of dementia have been inconclusive and contradictory. And that while some research 
shows that HRT use reduces the risk of dementia. Other studies have found no strong evidence for this. So it's kind of what we've been saying. All that said, it's still really good for hot flashes, and that might be really helpful in the Antarctic. All right. I will put a link to the Antarctic Fire Angels in the show notes so folks can follow along their journey and support them if they like. Before we get to it, I have an announcement. We are launching a new expanded membership that is going to be very cool. It's the Level Up Menopause Membership, and it's designed to provide personalized guidance for active and athletic menopausal women because there is now so much information see what I just talked about above out there. And what I'm hearing is that the hardest part is putting it all together because of course, every woman is different. So we're bringing the experts to you. Our goal is to help you figure out what, if any hormones are right for you, how to apply the menopausal nutrition guidelines to your specific dietary needs, how to integrate strength training into your routine and how to troubleshoot common menopausal symptoms and a whole lot more. Each month, we'll have sessions with a nutritionist, a physiologist, and a trainer, as well as office hours with me to answer all the questions that I can and to help you find the questions that I can't answer, are the answers to the questions that I can't answer. We kick it off right out of the gate with a session on June 16th with our frequent guest and hormone expert, Dr. Carla Girolamo. So if all that sounds good to you, head on over to feistymenopause.com and check it out. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes. All right. Quick thank you to NutriSense for their continued support. I've been tracking my blood sugar and working with my assigned NutriSense dietitian to reel in some of the big spikes I'm prone to here and there, and it's really made a difference. In fact, I want to share a quick example here because it kind of blew my mind. So I have a small chunk of dark chocolate and an espresso macchiato every day between two and three o'clock. It's just an afternoon ritual that makes me happy. Well, it did make me happy until I'd watch my blood sugar skyrocket to 175 or so right afterward. So I emailed my assigned dietitian, Casey, and I said, please don't tell me I need to give this up. And she asked if I had tried apple cider vinegar beforehand, which listeners will know has been recommended on this show by Molly Downey on the episode that's all about blood sugar. But I hadn't really considered trying it before my afternoon chocolate. So I slugged down a couple of tablespoons in some water while I was making my espresso, grabbed my dark chocolate, went up to my office, had my snack, and I checked my glucose response, post-chocolate, 112. Huge difference. And that is something that is totally 100% doable. So thank you for your support, NutriSense. And speaking of thanks, thank you all, as always, for your support, the hearts, the reviews, the sharing on your socials, the show continues to grow and I'm getting really great experts contacting me to come on and it's super duper exciting and I love you all and I appreciate you. All right, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. 
They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. 
A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter has taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. All right. Well, George, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. Cool. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I want to obviously dig all in on your Antarctic expedition that you're training for and the whole mission behind that. But I find your professional and even sporting history pretty interesting. So I'd love to just you know give people a sense of who you are. So let's talk about the firefighting piece. You know, I have one other friend that I've raced with who is a firefighter and it, there's a lot to it. Like how, how did you get into that profession? Um, just the quickest answer is um, it was the only profession where the girls did exactly the same as the boys. And uh, it just, I knew that if I'd gone into any other service, I've, I've always been sort of very uniform orientated services. I wanted to be in, in a service, whether army, Navy, police, fire, and it was yeah the only place where the girls did exactly the same as the boys. And I knew that if I didn't do the same as the boys, I would spend my entire career incredibly frustrated. So uh, yeah, so that's that's how I got into it. So it wasn't really specifically I wanted to be a firefighter, but as soon as I knew that this was a thing, that this was um, a completely um, you know gender neutral. Whoever you are, if you pass, you can come in um uh occupation i knew that was the occupation for me without a shadow of a doubt after exploring all the other ones tell us a little bit about what you do have to pass um well uh at the moment well at the moment it's it's evolved in 22 years since i've been in but when i passed it was the bleep test and and hose running and so they're all timed events um, you had to do an equipment assembly thing, which um, tests your cognitive skills. You have to put some equipment together and, and then uh, take it all apart again in a, in a um, specified uh, amount of time. Um, so the hose running tests your your doggedness, basically, because one, nobody likes hose running. I don't know a firefighter that loves hose running. Basically running, you know, the, you know the large lengths of hose that, we, that we've got, it's called 70 mil hose. And it's basically you're just running that out over and over and over and over again. It's like, you know, hill reps are designed to kill you psychologically. It's that, but with hose. Um, 
so yeah, hose running, bleep test, and um, a, a few. Then you go through uh, psychometric testing. Then you do a basic maths and maths and English, which everybody dreads. And, what is that? Um, if you look, maths and English, um, yes, yeah. So um, you do basically. Can you string a sentence together? Um, so you look at uh, a, a paragraph and can you make sense of it? Basically, um, what what is it asking you? What is it telling you? Um, what do, what do you need to act upon within this paragraph if you do need to? And then maths was um, more kind of cognitive skills, really, sort of uh, showing you a flat diagram of a box of a certain shape, and then it gave you like three examples of what that box that what that shape made. Was it you know a square box, a rectangle box, a triangle box, that sort of thing? So it was it was that plus. So um, the dreaded long division, as we have here in the UK and, and everything like that, you know, I was born, brought up with, in the calculator era when the calculators first came out in, in the classroom. So, you know, I was slave to the calculator and all of a sudden I had to do this like long maths in my head. So I actually uh, took uh, private tuition because I was that worried about it because I'm not very good with figures. Um, so I took private tuition in order to get myself through it, to make sure I, I got myself through it. And I had the confidence to go through it because I didn't want to go into it thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to fail because I'm just setting myself up to fail. If I go into it with a negative attitude, I knew I'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to get this, you know. So I needed to, I needed to go in with, with positive mental attitude. You know, even if even if I found it hard or anything, I needed to go in with positive mental attitude. So. Yeah, which, you know, if anybody's worried, I mean, physically, everybody loves practicing the physical stuff, but then they kind of a little bit deny it to themselves going, oh, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. You know, I can, you know, I can string a sentence together. I can do basic maths and stuff, but they're worried. You know, if you're worried about the physical, you're training yourself for the physical, don't you? There's, you know, so why wouldn't you train your brain for, for, the, for the other stuff that you're worried about, right? This is a really naive question. So, excuse me, but do, but do you have to like carry people, like firefighter carry kind of things? Like that's all I picture, you know, in my naive, <laughs> simplistic mind. Yeah, I know the classic, you know, coming out of a burning building with the smoke and the, you know, the the child and the child and the puppy in one hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if it comes to it, and you know, it's not only casualties that we have to carry out of buildings; it's colleagues. Um, depending if you like the colleague or not, you know, you either carry them or drag them. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm 70 kilos and uh, all my male counterparts are a lot heavier than me. So they, they will be dragged, you know, and they know that. Um, whereas they're probably, you know, I work with 100 kilo, you know, swimmers and they're phenomenal athletes and they, they could pick, pick me up by you know, with one hand, you know, on my BA set and and just drag and just carry me out, you know, but that's that's the, the risk that you take. But yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as it's got a couple of handles and your colleagues got, you know, with a set or stuff, then uh, or big bulky fire kit, you can you can drag them out, you know, so it's that ability. But um, for anybody, if that sounds a bit daunting for somebody, you don't know what it's like until you're in that position. I Thankfully, I've never had to rescue a colleague. You know, a colleague has never gone down, you know, in, in any particular emergency situation or anything. But you'd be surprised what you can get yourself to do. You know, your mind is your limiter. And in that adrenaline, your body will will give you that extra energy and that extra strength to 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 sort that scenario out, you know. So you'd be surprised. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And when did you, you're also quite the keen triathlete, from what I understand, you uh, qualified to represent Great Britain's age group triathlon team. Um, when did you get into triathlon? Are you still in triathlon? What, what distance do you like? Um, I, my, um, my best distance is Olympic distance. Um, and that, that is down to the, actually the bike ride. And I know most people love the bike ride and don't like the swimming and don't like the running, but I'm, yeah, yeah. The, the, the bike ride I find the hardest and it's probably because I've got a few back issues. So I get a little bit kind of like hunched and stuck, you know, although my TT bike was so much more comfortable than my road bike. Um, but yeah, I got into it from a friend of mine uh, who started triathlon and she was like, Hey, I started triathlon. I cut, she couldn't even swim. So, and she taught herself how to swim and now she does Ironman, you know, and she's, she taught herself how to swim in her forties, which I just think, and I was like, I was so inspired by that. I was like, just, wow, that's phenomenal. And, you know, couldn't even put her head in the water kind of stuff. Wow. You know? And I thought to myself, wow, well, I'm not a very good biker. So, and she was a very good biker. So we thought, right, okay, let's team up and have a go at our first triathlon together. And we did it was a women-only triathlon, so it was, you know, super, super friendly, women supporting women, classic kind of thing. And um, but it's probably, I don't know, I can't even guess when that was, no. About how old were you? Um, late 30s. Yeah, late 30s, definitely. Uh, yes, yeah, so she's a bit older than me, so she was early 40s when she taught herself how to swim. So I uh, loved it and just went from race to race to race to race then. And I thought, um, okay, so I'm winning, I'm winning these smaller races now. I need to upgrade. And that's when I started really challenging myself then to do some age grouper races. And then the first year of age group racing was like, oh, my God, what is going on here? There are some like proper serious athletes here and, you know, people turning up with 10,000 pound bikes, you know, and stuff. And at the time I didn't have my TT bike. And I just looked around and thought, I'm out of my comfort zone here. What the fuck am I doing? And then I was just like, um, and then, but the camaraderie and the helpfulness with everybody was fantastic, you know, and uh, it just made me want more. And then I thought, I came home and I was like, ask for permission. Can I look for a TT bike, please? I'm really enjoying this. So I started browsing for a TT bike and and then, yeah, just never looked back then. You know, upgraded all my kit, um, started taking it quite seriously, you know, twice a day, turbo trainer, you know. Um, but believe it or not, I did um, most of my bike training on uh, turbo. Hmm. That sounds like hell. Well, yes. And because it was hell um I did okay yeah. because it was mentally hell because yep. it really helped me because you can go out on the road and you can have you know your free wheel and you can enjoy the countryside and you can swear at the the cars that come past you too too fast and there's lots of things there to distract you from the time that you're spending on the bike but on a turbo trainer you don't have that distraction at all it's you and the sweat that's it you know um, and I think I swear that that's that's the thing that got me through it. And because it's so constant, there's no free wheeling on a turbo. Totally, totally. You never you never coast. I, I mean, when I was training for a lot of stage racing, I would do four hours on my rollers. And I was like, if I can sit on these rollers for four hours, I can do pretty much anything. Um, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think because of that, I did. I've done two seventy point threes as well. I like to think that's my Ironman. I've, I've hmm. got, I'm joining them together. 
because <laughs> I did them back to back. Yeah, I did them back to back year on year on year. So and uh, that was in uh, Mallorca, and I, I well, I didn't enjoy it at the time, but when <laughs> when I was sat sat in the sea up to my waist, and my partner and my friend came up to me and said, "Are you okay?" And I, all I said was, "Get me a calippo." And then as soon as I had my ice cream and uh, rested a little bit, because it was um, at the time they were experiencing a heat wave mm. and it it was, I remember going past the pharmacy and the pharmacy always has the temperature displayed outside the shop and it was 40 degrees in the shade. And I, I remember, yeah, I remember putting sponges on me and then my head being wet, but the rest of my body just drying constantly. Yeah. And there were pro athletes like being sick on the side and all sorts of crazy. And um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I finished, I think I finished like top 10 in my age group um, that year. And I think it was just down to the fact that I, I'd accepted the heat and not tried to challenge the heat, you know, and the people were the people who challenged the heat were falling. They were falling by the wayside because they just put too much in too soon, you know, because the bike was so difficult. It was just you could feel it just baking on you. It's just crazy, crazy heat. Do you have do you think being a firefighter helped at all? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, subconsciously, definitely, you know, because we train in, in hot environments, you know, not, not all the time, you know, we, we do, but we do train in hot environments. So you do, I think, yeah, you do take it for granted that you know what hot is, you know, and, um, and I think you, you know, you, your body will always manage it in the same way, whether you're good at managing heat or you're poor at managing heat, you will always manage it in the same way, but physiologically wise, but I think mentally, you know, right, this is damn hot and I need to manage this now, regardless, the race is, the race is by the by now, I need to manage the heat. And, yep. you know, and whereas people, some people were like just going, nailing it, whizzing past the extra water stations that they put in because time critical, time critical, that kind of thing. You know, I was, I was stopping and constantly filling, 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 dousing, dousing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I'm a true believer that peanut butter and jam sandwiches work well in the heat. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that so then rounding out your your sporting life here, you're also a mountaineer. You've scaled Kilimanjaro, and I don't know the other one, Elbrus. Is that how you say that? Elbrus. That? Yeah. yeah. That's in Russia. Oh. So um, it's yeah, it's the highest peak in Europe. So the the uh, geographical um, map of Europe, not the political map of Europe. So obviously the political map of Europe is Mont Blanc. Um, but yes, yeah, so the actual one of the seven summits uh, as the, in the geographical seven summits, it's Elbrus, Mount Elbrus. So yeah, that was an immense experience. Kilimanjaro is a bit of a funny one because, you know, you're up and down so quickly. And that's why it's actually one of the more dangerous mountains because they don't give you, it's so touristy. They don't give you that much time to acclimatize. And a lot of people fail, Killy, because um, they just climb too quickly mm. and they suffer from altitude sickness and they have to be, you know, shipped off. But um, Elbrus was a different thing altogether. We were there for three weeks, you know, doing acclimatization climbs, dropping back down, going a little bit higher, dropping back down. You know, so we had a base camp and it was very um, uh, much more akin to proper mountaineering than, than Kili. Whereas Kili, you can't actually climb Kilimanjaro unless you have a porter 
because that's their employment. Um, you pay for a porter. You cannot climb Killy without um, a guide and a porter because that is their livelihood that they have in that in that in that country. So, but on on Elbrus, if you want to take yourself up there, you take yourself up there. But we went as a as a group and and a guided guided group. And um, the uh, summit camp uh, is like a lunar landscape. It's just rocks, you know, at, at rocks rolling, rolling rocks. And um, at nighttime, it's the most stunning place you've ever been. Of course, there's no light pollution uh, in the middle of the Caucasus. Uh, no light pollution, and you just come out of your tent for a pee because if you're old, you've got to get up in the middle of the night for a pee, and um, and then you just look up and you're like, oh my god, this is so humbling. I mean, why wouldn't everybody want to come here? Oh, I know it's because it's taken me two weeks to get here, but um, it's it's so so humbling, and you feel like you know I'm so small compared to the rest of the universe what is going on here you know and if you're lucky you see the international space station going over and some <laughs> shooting stars and, and things yeah what was the altitude of that Elbrus mm-hmm. um oh my god you tested me now I think oh I'm sorry yeah I, no, 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 it's, <laughs> I was just reaching for my phone there going I'm gonna google it really quickly but it's plugged in and charging so I can't do it without actually being really obvious about it I can't remember. I think it's like five and a half thousand meters. I'm going to check. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious. I was just curious. I mean, I like, I, I don't know how it compares to like, you know, an Everest, like oh, the thing, the, the big mountains that everybody knows. No, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. So it doesn't have a death zone, put it that way. Oh, there we go. Five, six, four, two. There we go. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, you experience some, you know, serious altitude um, anomalies there. You know, not everybody feels sick. You know, some people just get a bit disorientated, but and you know, others, you know, just crash and burn. And the the the, the people, and I'm not advocating this in any in any sense or anything, but the people who do best at altitude are smokers because they're used to the lack of oxygen. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. It makes it makes absolute sense yeah they're, they're, they're wheezing like fuck at the bottom you know when when there's no altitude but as soon as they get in the altitude that the roles change you know that's fascinating. They're, they're better at, at being in a deficit of oxygen their whole lives so when they're in a you know in an altitude deficit they uh they seem to do well they just don't they're just like this is every day <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, yeah. This is just like, oh, this is how we do it, yeah. And, and free divers, free divers do well because the apnea, yeah, apnea divers, they do they do well as well. You do, you haven't got this in, in my bio, but I used to play underwater hockey, so you can ask me what that is in a minute. But What uh, the hell is that? You can know, tell me now. <laughs> well, you know, I, te- I, I used to play for Great Britain and I don't really sort of broadcast it very much because, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's not a sport. But it was invented by um, divers probably about 70 years ago now to keep them fit in the winter months. And it's it's hockey, but at the bottom of a swimming pool. So it's a leaded puck, like a nice hockey puck. You've got a small pusher, it's called, like a bat. And you just, you hold your breath. You've got a mask of snorkel and a pair of fins and a padded glove because it's, it's meant to be non-contact, but there's a fair amount of contact. And... Um, you hold your breath. You're in a, in a in a team of six in a formation. You hold your breath, and you know when it's on your side, you go. You do you, you dive down and you play. And it, there's dummy moves and flicks and 
you know, dummying around people, passing, you know, and you flick the puck kind of thing into a gully at either either end of the swimming pool and you have to hold your breath for the whole time that you're playing. So you go up and down. So you're in a constant oxygen deficit, basically, if you're playing high level. Otherwise, if you're playing club level, you can have a break at the back but or sub out. But, um, yeah, so I used to, used to play that. <laughs> We can do a whole show on that. I have so many questions, but (laughs) are there scrums? Are you punching each other underwater? Like, has anyone blacked out? Because I can imagine like being stubborn enough to like actually black out. How, and how long can you hold your breath? Um, Oh, I think I used to be able to do a static hold of about four minutes. So I could, I could hyper, I could hyperventilate. This is this is when I was playing Great Brit- for for Great Britain. So I could sort of sit in a room and you know hyperventilate a little bit, and 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 then you hold your breath. And I could probably at a stretch do about four minutes if I was rested. So if I'd been exercising, then obviously that that gets a lot shorter because you're already in a deficit. But um, yeah, I could do a static hold or um, of a twenty five meter square pool. I could go around twice, and it's all about relaxing. But when you're, it's much easier to hold your breath under the water than it is on the surface. Much, much easier because we have, we we lose it as we literally, when we're born, we're born with a mammalian dive reflex. Basically, you're, you know, when you're a baby, you're in the room, it's in the womb, it's you're covered in, you're surrounded in liquid. And, but when you're born, obviously you start breathing air. And from the moment you're born, you'd lose that mammalian dive reflex. But if you chuck a baby into a swimming pool, it automatically holds its breath. And that's exactly what it is. Um, so, yeah, we lose it as we get older. But um, it's, uh, you, can, you can tap into that again and your brain will override the fact that you need air because you're, we're used to breathing normally. You know, every few seconds we take a breath in. But you can override that. So and and it learns how to function and draw from other sources in order to achieve more. Yeah. See, so it it has its benefits. I feel like this has all just set us up beautifully for what we're going to talk about next because it may like it makes sense. Of course, you have this team that wants to go across Antarctica, even though like most of you don't have much skiing background, but so that's, you came on my radar through a story. I don't even honestly know how I found it. Like I have no idea how I came across your story, but I remember sort of just doing some research, Googling stuff and the, the daily mail story came up and the headline just like struck me. I was like, okay, I've got to like look into these women and I'll just read it. Cause it's such a great headline it says team of female firefighters hoping to break a world record when they trek across Antarctic um, Antarctic revealed that they'll be dealing with perimenopause and periods and temperatures of minus 58 degrees Fahrenheit. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like all the boxes are checked here. Like, <laughs> I love that they talk about perimenopause and periods like right up there in he- ahead of the story. But before we like get to that element of it, what exactly is this mission and how did it come about? Okay, so in the UK, we have um, actually we do have international firefighters coming as well. We have uh, uh, women in the fire service event every year. And this particular year, they'd had a guest speaker from somebody from the British military and who from they call the Ice Maidens. And they'd done um, an expedition across Antarctica, and Sophie was a keynote speaker at the at the weekend. 
at the event. And I was so, well, I, I just fucking love anything that gives me goosebumps. It's like, you tell me a story and it gives me goosebumps. I want to do it or, or find a way to, you know, get somebody else to do it or watch it or whatever, you know. And I sat at the back, you know, you know, when you get keynote speakers and you're like, oh, here we go. I'm just going to have a couple of beers now and sit, ride this one out. Yeah. Uh, because most of the time they don't really apply to you. And do you know what? I didn't take a sip. I didn't take a sip. I was so captivated. And, um, and I just thought I've got to go and speak to this woman. And so later on after, because she was basically her key message was women, showing women what women are capable of. So we are programmed from birth to prove to men what women are capable of doing all the time you know and that was right at the start of my fire service career first four years spent my first four years being late for everything because I was constantly proving to my male counterparts that I was worthy for this job and um so I thought I spoke to her I thought this is amazing do you think we could do it being firefighters with no skiing experience and she was like oh my god yes just do it. So long story short, we met up with her um, about a month later and she said, these are all the contact details that you need for the company and this chat we need to speak to in the very first instance. Let me know how it goes, girls. Go for it. And, and I was like, right, okay. Steve, hi, I'm George from, I'm a firefighter. Literally rang on the, rang on the bus on the way back from London and said, you know, do you think this is possible? And he said, you put the training in, anything is possible. So yeah, from dot we put the we put all the research into in into place. We did we planned the route, um, and then COVID hit, and then we had a massive knockback. But you know, it didn't we spent the time building up our social media, and uh, and then a girl called Alyssa got in touch and said, you know, can I write your blog? And uh, we were like, oh my god, yes, that takes a load of pressure off us. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, and it just went from there then, and it's just developed into something that's really quite stir crazy. And and the, the first thing that people say to us is like, "So you're not skiers?" And we're like, "No, we're firefighters." And this this is the whole point. I mean, some some of the girls are downhill skiers, um, but cross country skiing is very different to downhill skiing. I mean, the skis are insane. What what we're using? They're so long, very sharp. They don't turn. They don't snowplow. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically if you want to stop you just fall over and <laughs> you just crash <laughs> so what 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 will you physically be doing like how long is it and are you like i'm trying to envision like i've seen people will you just be like cross-country skiing like pulling a mountain of stuff behind you like how many days like what does that even look like it, it it looks like five people dragging their house and their kitchen and their bedroom <laughs> with them for for like sixty days. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's eleven hundred and thirty kilometers, and uh, each pulk is going to be between ninety and hundred kilos. So it's just going to be it's a long fiberglass thing that's over two meters long, and you know, a massive portion of it is fuel to heat our food, and then it's food, and then it's ten and shovels and toilet roll believe it or not an awful lot of toilet roll you don't want to run out of toilet roll <laughs> so if anybody steals my toilet roll there's going to be trouble i'd rather them steal my food than my toilet roll <laughs> uh, but um i mean 
yes, in all serious, on a serious note, you know, toilet roll for women, you know, it's more important for women than it is for men because obviously we can get infections a lot easier than, than a guy can. A guy obviously can get infections, but a, a woman, you know, there's, yeah, you get a urinary tract infection. That's, wow. That's potentially expedition over, you know, incredibly painful, you know. Um, so, yeah, toilet rolls are really fucking important. So, um, yeah, that's what it's going to look like. It's five crazy uh, firefighters going across um, an, an Arctic tundra for about 60 days um, to get to to get to the pole. And what is the what is the training look like? I mean, in the story, it was talking about like ice hold drills like that involve submerging yourselves in freezing water. Like, I was, like what, what are you doing? Oh, oh, you've got to do it. Seriously, try it. It's like, it's, well, the sense alone, alone, uh, uh, forget the science behind it, but the sense of achievement of overcoming your natural instinct not to get in that water, you know, the sense of achievement, you come back out again, even if you go in for 10 seconds and come back out again, you're like, fuck, yes, I did that. I so did that. So what are you actually doing? So uh, the, the reason behind this, this particular training was um, our guide wanted to, um, so the morning session, we submerged ourselves for about four minutes. And it's the first time any of us had done it because it was how you deal with that. It's cold management when you come back out. So it had actually little to do with what we were doing in the water or the, you know, your body's response to the water. I mean, if we fall into the water in Antarctica, we've gone the wrong way. So the ice is a mile thick. So if we've turned the wrong way when we get dropped off, if we plop into the water like penguins. So it's more like it's more to do with the effects of hypothermia on the body and what that feels like. So each and every single one of us came out of that water uh, unable to bend our hands. Yeah. So we'd lost all our dexterity. We couldn't get dressed. We couldn't help ourselves because we'd gone past the point, that particular point. So we were lucky. It was a sunny day when we came out of the water. So, but the water temperature was still one degree warmer than the air temperature, but we just had that feel good factor of the sun, thankfully, and no wind because the wind would have made it so much worse. You know what it's like when you come out, come out of a, a swim in triathlon, you've got the wind and it just rips your temperature away from you, doesn't it? And um, yeah, so it took another team member then to get you dressed, you know, um, and your feet feel like you've got clubs on, you know, you know, you're in your bike shoe for a really long time and your foot goes well, numb. I've had hypothermia. I know what it is. Oh, yeah. have you? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. More, than, more than a couple of times. <laughs> so, yeah. Your brain is, your brain isn't wiring, firing properly. And you're looking at your hands going, they don't belong to me. You know, They're, it's crazy. So, and the last thing you want to do, all you want to do is huddle up and do this, you know, but what all you're doing is like this major archery under there. All you're doing is putting cold onto your major archery and pumping more cold blood around your body. So the last thing you want to do is move because you just want to do this, you know? And um, so they're, they're like, right, move, 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 move as quick, move as quick as you can, move as quick as you can, get that blood flow going and stuff. And so you do that immediately as you, as you come out, but trying to convince somebody that they need to do that. It's not your instinct. So you're relying on your team members to recognize that really quickly in you and catch you before you fall, you know, to take the proverbial fall. And so they're dressing you. But the difference is, is that once you're cold, um, 
so any down jacket, down sleeping bag, for it to work, you have to impart heat into it in order for it to exchange the heat back to you. But if you're already cold, it doesn't matter how many layers you put on. All you're doing is stop stopping um, the person getting any more cold. They're not warming up. So, yeah, it's how we dealt how we deal with that as well. And then the afternoon session was just about having a good laugh and, and challenging ourselves to jumping in because, you know, it's a dark, icy hole. You know, you can't see the bottom and you're looking at it going, every instinct is telling me now not to jump in because it's like, you know, you're going to submerge your head and things. But I have to say that was, apart from the jumping in, it was so much easier than the morning session because we'd been submerged and we couldn't help ourselves. I mean, everybody warmed up instantly after the afternoon session. It was just the jumping in. So if anybody tells you in the army going, I've done ice breaking drills, you're like, yeah, in the army, they just jump in and straight back out again. You want to do what the ice, uh, ice uh, fire angels did and submerge yourself for like four or five minutes, then that's proper cold therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the cold shock proteins you've got, and you've probably extended your life by, you know, it's, it's a Wim Hof thing going on there. I know, I know. Well, it's 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 valid. I mean, even if you don't do it for the for the long term health benefits, you do it for the sense of achievement. You know, yeah. we met people that go there every single day of their lives, every single day, and sometimes they're going for thirty seconds, sometimes they're going for five minutes and thirty seconds. You know, sometimes some days they don't feel like doing very much, but they go there every single day, and they travel from fifty miles. You know. So, so this is also preparation because I have friends who do like, I did a bike like, do they expeditions on bicycles across Alaska, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, their whole thing, like Rebecca Rush, who I've raced with, you know, she's like, sweat is death. That's all she would ever tell me. Like if you start sweating, you're, you're, you're in trouble. And I imagine that this is part of what you're talking about here too, right? Like if you start sweating, like that's not a good thing. It freezes on the inside of your kit. Yeah. So yeah. So we're trying, we're trying to go at a pace that suits everybody, uh, so they don't sweat, which is insanely freaking difficult because, you know, we've got um, you know hundred kilo um, person on the team. I'm a seventy kilo person. You know, somebody with a higher body fat is going to be warmer than somebody with less body fat you know, and somebody with more muscle mass is going to create more heat, you know, so I've got less muscle mass. So I need to move a little bit quicker and they need to move a little bit slower. So trying to get that really good balance and kit as well. So um, the, the two bigger girls on the team, they'll be like, as long as they're, as long as all their, all their skin is covered, but they'll be virtually naked, you know, and uh, the, we've got these string vests, this, the, the, the company's called Brynja. It's a Norwegian company. And they're basically string vests. And it helps you to vent, but also it creates pockets of air, which keeps you at a, a good temperature. So they'll just have those on. you know. And I'm looking at them going, I'm just looking at you and you feeling cold. So I'll have one of those on too, but I'll have another a shell layer on as well. And I'm just fine, you know? So it's, um, yeah, finding that balance. But, you know, you're right you know, sweat is, is, is death, you know, it's, uh, extreme. Which kind of segues beautifully into, are you having hot flashes yet? <laughs> like, I'm really curious how the, how, how that element plays in, because you guys were very open about the whole perimenopause and you're in perimenopause. Like, 
It, is that a factor? Oh, yeah. And you know what? It's um, So in Sweden, I had a hot flash. Were you training? Yeah, training, yeah. And it, it, it wasn't, you know, an extremely cold day, uh, but it was cold. Um, but I had this hot flash and it, 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 it was my first one. And I didn't know what was happening. And because all of a sudden I had this, because I, I was hoping, I was being really optimistic. And I'm just, I was just saying to myself, do you know what? I'm going to follow my sister with, with, uh, with perimenopause. She's in menopause now. She hasn't had a period in months. And I was thinking, yeah, we're not, we're not too far from each other. I said, I'll just, I'll just tick my way through perimenopause and pop out the other end, no periods. Woohoo, everything's great. She didn't have any hot flashes, nothing. And um, one of the few. And I remember, remember I was at, I'd just done my stint at the front and I'd gone to number, right to number five at, at the back. And I was skiing along, skiing along. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, what the fuck is, what's going on here? And and I was looking at my hands, thinking I, I I don't know what to do with my hands. Whether I need to like balance myself on the skis, or and I started to really really drop back from the from the group because I didn't know what was happening. So are you in a pace line, like you're in a line together? Is that what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So all one behind, well, one behind the other. And um, and I thought to myself, it's like somebody's just set a microwave in my chest, kind of thing. So the first thing I wanted to do was take all, like all my clothes off. I just wanted to take my clothes off and roll in the snow, you know. And if if it's extreme temperature, you know, it wouldn't matter what the what the air temperature is. It could be minus thirty. Um, I'm I'm still having a hot flash. It's, it doesn't. It's not temperature. External temperature dictated, you know. So I just like I I, I took my shell off. Um, I took my gloves off, and and then. One of the girls turned back and said, I think George is, George is something's happening happening with George there. I'm not sure, not sure what's happening there. So they stopped and they shouted and they were like, you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just keep going. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Just keep going. I'll be fine. Um, Cause I honestly didn't know what was going on. I just remembered. I just wanted to take all my clothes off from, from the waist up basically. And it wasn't helped by the fact that our sour pets are high. You know, they come up high, you know, with a zip and stuff. So I was like taking the zip off and like, you know, like falling all over the place and trying to vent myself. And then, I, and then, and then it went after about five minutes and I caught up and they were like, are you okay? And, and I was like, I think I've just had a hot flash. And, and then they were like, oh, here we go. Oh, fucking hell. She's in menopause. Here we go. And I was like, oh, girls, no, I'm serious. I'm serious because this could have been a serious thing because if you're in minus 30 and you start taking your clothes off, that's frostbite within minutes, you know? So, and I was like, shit, right. Okay. Right. I know what it feels like. If it happens again, it's temporary. It's temporary. Now, what is easy to deal with? The fact that I'm going to sweat or the fact, or frostbite. And I was like, no sweat, sweat is going to be easier to deal with than, I mean, I can't get frostbite. That's, you know, expedition ending. So Yeah. And I've had loads of people coming up to me going, oh, hot flashes. You're going to love them. You're going to feel lovely and warm. You know, people who aren't at menopause age, it's, you know, it's going to be an advantage. Surely you're going to get, you know, lovely and warm on occasions and stuff. And I'm like, no, no, it's like, it's so, it's, you know, you need to experience one in order to know what that feels like. It, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. And the disorientation that I experienced from it, because it was my first one, was like, wow. 
here we go, here we go. Because I knew I was perimenopausal before I went to Sweden, before I had the hot flash, because there's been other shit going on with my periods and hormones and mood swings and changes, low mood and motivation was low and bloating and all the other crap that women get, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's I'm so glad I experienced it there first because it was like, wow, lesson learned here, lesson learned. So I hope, you know, it, you know, other women that work in cold extremes who are approaching perimenopause are listening to this going, do not strip off, girls. Do not strip off. <laughs> your your extremities will not thank you for it. So what do you have a plan? Will you just like it, 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 chances are probably pretty good you're going to have them out there, right? I mean, do you have a plan for what you'll do? Yeah. Um, the the first thing, the, the first bit of the plan is recognizing that it's happening and not that I'm just working harder. Uh, because in the first stages, you think, oh, I'm just working a bit hard here. And uh, But then like literally seconds later, you're like, ah, uh, no, I'm going at the same pace as everybody else. And this is different. So the, the plan is just to recognize it early and just shout out to the rest of the team i'm having a i'm having a hot flash you know and that's they then and then they know that there might be something going on so if i'm leading at the time might be that you know i drop back to number 2 because being at the back isn't helpful either so if you're at the back you can drop off so quickly because number number 3 is meant to be looking after number 4 and and number 4 looking after number 5 but if you go off, if you got, it's so easy to drop off the back very, very, very quickly. You know, even if you're, even if you're checking every 30 seconds, you know, it's in 20 seconds, you can be a long way off already. Um, yeah. So dropping back into like the position number three or something while it's happening and then just staying there and, you know, taking a turn as it comes to the front again, you know, so that's early identification of it is key. So I basically, I need to experience more. So come on body. <laughs> Give me the flash, you know? Yeah, it's just, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it probably will. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how other, you know, other questions, like how have you, well, let's talk about the period part because are all the women menstruating or like, yeah. what is the, okay. And perimenopause, it becomes, I mean, as you know, like, who knows what's going to happen, right? Even though that like anything could happen. How are you all dealing with that? Like, I know that there was some conversation within the group about whether you stop periods or do some hormonal therapies to like regulate things. Like what are you personally doing and how are you managing these, these periods that are unpredictable? Well, um, I'm, uh, my periods have been unpredictable now for probably about nine months, nine to 10 months, you know, either because I was a regular 26 days and, um, you know, same flow, everything like that, you know, uh, same, always the same symptoms. And then about nine, 10 months ago, the symptoms started being a bit weird and, you know, and then I'd go 30 days and then I'd be 20 days and stuff. So it's all happened quite quickly. So I'm, I am going to deal with the unpredictability, unpredictable nature of it. Um, I feel like I have to. And plus the fact if I take anything to stop my periods. Hormones. Yeah. That's like, uh, I, it's it would be hormonal meltdown, I think, because my body is going through so much turmoil now, you know, and unpredictability, as is my mind, you know, um, to all of a sudden stop periods, chemically stop periods. I I, I don't think 
I know. I, I think in my mind, I'd be worried about it. So because I'm worried about it, it, it would have an adverse, it would cause stress and it'll have an adverse effect on my body anyway, you know. So I'm going to go with, I'd rather deal with the unpredictable nature of it and then go, you know, wake up in the middle of the night, go to the toilet and go, oh, I've got my period, you know, okay, I've got my period. Oh, it's two days, cool, fine, no worries. Um, I'd rather deal with that than, than the consequences of it afterwards, definitely, yeah. you know. And, and who knows what could happen in 20 years' time? I mean, there's a lot of research uh, around perimenopause and menopause of women, you know, losing bone density and, you know, uh, increase in Alzheimer's and things like that without replacing the estrogen and things like that. And all of a sudden I choose to stop my periods. Where's the research with that for perimenopause or women stopping periods? That, well, I've never heard any. There might be something out there. Somebody proved me wrong, you know, but um, it's not there. But for as far as I'm concerned, or I can't access it, I don't know. But but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to live with the un- unpredictable nature of it and just go equipped with everything that I need and responsible, you know, because you can't go dumping a Tampax. And I have to say, tried a moon cup. I love them. Oh, no. No? It's like, oh. Oh, no. Like the, di- the Diva Cup, have you tried that one? You might have to try a couple different, They're like, the cup say like it was transformational for me. Like I could go a whole, I could go eight hours, 10 hours on my bike, never like, and then I just dump it somewhere and rinse it and put it back in. Like let me get graphic. Okay. So Nikki, Nikki, one of the girls on the team. Okay. Nikki, she said, girls try, try a moon cup. You won't look back. She's used one for years, you know, converted. She said it'll take you a few goes to get used to it and everything. Um, but seriously, girls, give it a go, right? So, I mean, her periods are quite light, you know, and um, so that's an uh, you know it's advantageous. But anybody with like a normal flow or a heavy flow, um, it's like so. I so I thought I'm going to give this a go. Be brave, you know. I've used tampons my entire life, you know, or lilettes or plugs, I call them, which are much more apt. <laughs> so I've been using plugs my whole life. I thought, right, I'm going to give I'm going to give this moon cup a go. And uh, I thought, oh, it comes in its nice case. So oh, that's nice. And so I, so I gave it a go and I put it in. I was like, oh, that, that was okay. It's a bit uncomfortable, but all right. So it came to changing it. And dear God, it was like a chicken had been slain in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, I was like covered. And I was like, uh, and I could only equate it. I don't have children. I've never given birth, but I could only equate it to the pain that's involved in childbirth. I kid you not. So, um, yes, I persevered, but it got to the point where I thought I cannot persevere any longer with this. It's like, right. Okay. So, so we, we're going to have to go down this rabbit hole a little bit more because I need to, I need to know more as if we haven't been graphic enough. But <laughs> So I like, I tried and I, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it looked like the first thing I tried was like a disc with like a cellophane sort of thing. It was almost like a diaphragm sort of looking thing. And I had a hard time with that because I'm like trying to get it in and up and right. And then getting it out was a whole mission in and of itself. But um, but the cup is literally it looks like a little cup with like a tail on it. So it's yeah. easier. To get, yeah. So that that is what I have found. I have been able, like, that was what I, I don't need anything anymore. But when I, when I was for those years, like that um, was what I was able to use. But I understand that everyone is different. <laughs> it was like, 
I remember just being in the bathroom for like 20 minutes thinking this can't be right. This, can, this cannot be right, you know, and I tried it in work. And um, I mean, I, I didn't, it didn't leak or anything like that. I mean, that was fine. You know, it was the, the worst thing for me is removing it. And I thought, I thought I, I've got to be right next to a sink because I like, oh, <laughs> because I, I can't I can't touch anything else now because you know because you've got to pinch it to break the seal, haven't you? What happens? It's like, yeah, it's it's like there's there's been a massacre in your bathroom for God's sake, you know. <laughs> it was it was bad. I persevered with another period after that. I did persevere, and then I was like, no, fuck this. I've got to go. I've got to go back to what I know. And you know, you can, when you know what you know, you can change so quickly, so so yeah. quickly. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's established. <laughs> I tried it, girls. But anyone is listening, I did honestly try it. Nikki is like really proficient in it. She's she's gonna have a whale of a time. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I tried to be environmental as as possible. But I can only imagine like it happening early on in the expedition, and because we're close to the coastish with with at the start. I just thought I'll just leave a trail of blood, and some like leopard seal will be. <laughs> will be like, you know, flubbing behind us, you know, like a day behind us following this trail of blood, you know, it's like first leopard seal to be seen at the pole and, and everybody's, everybody's been massacred, you know, <laughs> they're an apex predator and everybody's been massacred because somebody couldn't use a moon cap properly. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of us have been like flown out, like blissfully unaware that this massacre is happening at the pole, you know. <laughs> Such a good Netflix series. That like such a good. <laughs> yeah, you can have something with that, couldn't you? Yeah, but you got snakes on a plane, so you can definitely have leopard seal at the pole. <laughs> wow. So okay. <laughs> Where? Okay. Let's let's take this train back onto the tracks a little bit. So, um, <laughs> so what what other things? In the before we leave the whole perimenopausal space, it's like you've you've mentioned a couple of times about mood and motivation, and I'm just curious, like how that's playing out in your training for this. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I have to be honest, uh, and it's really come to the forefront for me in probably in the last couple. So I am normally quite you know an upbeat person, and I'm really good at you know getting past that first barrier, which is the quilt in the morning. You know, your biggest barrier is your quilt. And I'm normally quite good, normally quite good at throwing that off going, come on, girl, get up and get out. And the last couple of months, I've had this like real kind of, you know, what's the point? Why am I doing this? You know, and yeah, we all have that anyway through our lives, you know, when, when women experience normal periods and things. But the difference for me is that it's lasting. It's like almost permanent with me, whereas when you're having periods, um, you'll get low mood for a few days and then you'll pick back up again and then you'll be fine and then low mood again. For majority of women, obviously not everybody falls into that category. But for me, it's been a constant low mood for a couple of months. And I've really had to yeah, fight, you know, fight for it um, to, to, to get up and to run to work. And uh, once I'm in work, I'm fine because there's a lot of distractions going on and I run home from work and things. But you know, to get on, I've got a Nordic track here. I don't have a turbo trainer anymore. I have a Nordic track, which is like a skiing machine thing, you know, to get on the Nordic track. And 
and um, self-doubt, you know, creeps in. And I've been really struggling with that the last couple of months. But um, I'm, I'm thankful I've got quite a decent base level of fitness, you know, just because of my age and I've got a lot of endurance sport behind me, which set, set me up very well. So I can almost afford to, you know, have a break in service, you know. Um, but the, in all seriousness, that's that's been the worst thing for me is low mood because I've not really experienced it to this level before. And it's given me a, right, a real insight into people who do experience permanent low mood and have to fight those demons you know and the one thing that gets me through it is the fact that when I get my ass outside in nature and the worse the weather the better for me if I'm out in a storm I fucking love it you know not not on a bike not but an experience of a storm on a bike but if I'm out running or walking the dogs the dogs hate me for it but if I'm out running in a storm it's like it it's like gives me pins and needles on my skin i love it and that's that memory gets me out the doors right right you know that you're going to feel better as soon as you get out the doors right is that what you're saying yeah oh totally this morning was an example of that i thought i'm going to take the dog for a walk a dog for a run this morning and um the fact that i knew that she knew she picks up on all the um all the, the the senses and stuff, and she knew that she was going to go for a run. As soon as she knows, there's there's no turning back for me, you know. Yeah. So I almost deliberately get my running kit. She knows the sound of the drawers. I, she knows the sound of my PE kit drawers, you know. And as soon as the socks come out, she knows, and then it's like I'm going because I can't disappoint her. And she gets me out the doors, and then you know what you experience on your run. Then you you experience on your run, but. Um, recently I've been, um, I think my iron levels are, uh, are depleted quite a bit because I feel like I'm running at altitude. So yes. my last, three runs, yeah, my last three runs, I've felt like, you know, you feel it like in your shoulders, like it's drain, like the energy's draining from your neck down. Yeah. Did so. you get those checked? That's actually really common at this time because of like the hormonal changes and how it affects hepcid and like all these different hormones that help your iron absorption. It's definitely worth getting checked if you experience yeah. that. I take, yeah, I'm going to, um, I have um, an appointment with my occupational health um, in a couple of weeks. So I've managed to manage to get in there. So um, yeah, they're, they're going to do run some blood tests and, and things like that and see where I am because um I mean, the exercise alone, it has really quite serious implications for in, in the job as well. You know, what if I'm in a house fire and I get a hot flash? You know, it's like I'm already, I'm already in a hot environment. I've got, you know, this face mask on my face. I can't vent. It's I'll burn, you know, and um, it's what's going to happen to me there. Do, do I, you know, keep going? Do I get out? You know, it's all these things. And there aren't many older women in the fire service who are frontline, um, frontline firefighters. But now there's more and more coming up behind me that are going to be experiencing this. So, you know, something something has to not give as such, but there's going to be more awareness of this because there just aren't that many in the UK anyway, that many older female firefighters yet in order to have good case studies to see, oh, what does actually happen, you know? So, um, 
yeah, so I'm going to get all that checked out. I do take iron supplements anyway. I am somebody that that struggles with iron, full stop. And um, so I take Sparto and then you know the liquid iron. It's the only thing that doesn't make me constipated. So, uh, so I take that every every day. But I've actually doubled doubled the dose. So I'm going to see uh, how that goes. So yeah, they might have you time it too. So there's there's a little rhythm that happens with iron too, with the timing to, with that hormone that it, it's a little bit of a dance to get it just right. So. Be curious to see how that have you considered? I know you don't want to stop your periods. Have you have you mentally considered any kind of hormone therapy at all? Like whether, you know, what they call hormone replacement therapy or menopausal hormone therapy for the hot flashes? Yeah, I have actually. And it's a real change for me, this, because I've always been the one I can't wait for my periods to stop. Can't wait for menopause. I'm I'm gonna go into it with positive attitude and I'm gonna, you know, skip through it because I'm really positive about menopause. Can't wait to stop spending money on 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 tampax. And um but uh, as more and more because the traditional um HRT was uh, always connected with um estrogen dominance and estrogen dominance in women uh, who have breast cancer, because my mother died of breast cancer. And so estrogen dominance uh, is if you have that, uh, anything in your family with that, then having HRT back 20 years ago was a no-no, as were soy products because it boosts estrogen and increases your risk of breast cancer. But obviously, you know, 20 years is a long way and in research terms, and that that's an urban myth now. So, but that's only really come to light in the last few months, here in the UK especially, and um so we're, I'm definitely going to do much more research into it. And I, I think I'm going to be, because taking HRD, HRT doesn't mean extending your periods. You've only got so many eggs, you know. <laughs> Once you've got rid of your eggs, you've got rid of your eggs. And um, it doesn't mean extending your period. Whereas before, it kind of did. And that was a bit of an urban, that was an urban myth as well. So I'm definitely going to get the all the blood tests done and get the right... Uh, treatment for me you know and um if it means throwing money at it then i throw i'll throw money at it to a certain degree but you know it's um it's it's definitely something i I will be doing in the future yeah it can really help with hot flashes like that's one of the things that really really helps with so i mean if for your particular situation it's definitely worth investigating Definitely. And I, I mean, I've got 18, 18 months now and I've got the ball rolling with it. Definitely. I was just going to so, ask like how, what, when is the date of your expedition? November, 2023. So yeah, we fly out sort of um, end of October to hit the ground there and uh, beginning of November. And that's the summer really for Antarctic, start of the Antarctic summer. So um, yeah, I've got, I've definitely got the ball rolling with it now for, um, for HRT for, for perimenopause. So, I mean, and I think I've been, Uh, like scared into it I've been like frightened into it you know because of what the potential implications of not taking it um, after menopause you know for for menopause of women you know we all knew about the bone density you know but you keep up with the weight training and the running then it kind of offsets it that kind of thing to a certain degree Um, but it's um, the um, things like Alzheimer's dementia stuff like that you know it's proven I think there's a crazy statistic of if you don't take hrt you're increasing your risk of alzheimer's by 80 percent i mean i'll push back a little bit on that and say i write about this all the time that's a little that's not that's not decided yet i mean there yeah that's 
there's a lot of conflicting advice being thrown all over this right now. And I spend a lot of time writing and research. I was a medical writer before, so I spent a lot of time in this world. Um, okay. You know, there's a lot of really good research being done and our brains do physically change during the perimenopause transition. It's fascinating to see like uh, Dr. Lisa Moscone did this work where she literally did brain scans on women and watched the changes and the brain does, uh, it changes during the menopause transition. And then for 80% of the women, it actually changes back towards the 20% that is concerning um, because it, there is that risk that that risk goes up for dementia, but it's a dance. It's a dance to, to, because if you put, you know, there's so many different forms of hormone replacement or hormone therapy, you know, is it estrogen and progesterone? How much of each, what form you use, all of that impacts the, what you get from it, uh, you know, the protection and the risk. So I feel like women are being a little scared into this now where they don't necessarily need to be so scared into it. I, the research just isn't there yet to say everybody should be on this or your, your, your risk for all of this stuff is so much yeah. higher. I, that's, I think that's exactly what's happened with me. And thank you for, for, for sharing that because it's, it's what's happened to me and my partner as well. You know, we're both same household, two women going through perimenopause. You should visit one day and just sit in the corner and see what happens. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, I think, I think we've both been kind of like frightened into it a little bit and, and, you know, it, that's good because we're both kind of down this, going down the same avenue of, no, we'll be fine, you know, dismissing it, we'll be fine. And But uh, doing the research and tracking some things it has definitely benefited us because now we talk about what's going on as opposed yeah. to going, I'm oh, fine, I'm fine. So, yeah, it's, um, I think um, there's, um, I don't know if you know Davina McCall, she's a celebrity here in the UK and she's done two programs on perimenopause and menopause and I think she does a section with that scientist that, that you were just saying that now about the brain scans yeah um, yeah the different patterns in in the in the um in the scans there and that was quite telling so yeah I followed her on, on Instagram after that so she's got a few books out as well hasn't she so uh yeah, but now that yeah, now that you said that, that's that's sort of calmed me down a little bit. I've, I've got to be honest. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot. I mean, there's I've, I've there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really good research coming up, but a lot needs to be done yet. Like I said, because a lot of it is so individual, and it depends how many receptors you have for the hormones. You know, it's it's not just it's not just as simple as just putting these hormones in and they're going to do the same thing that your native hormones did. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's a, it's, it's much more complicated than that. And there's certainly benefits. I, I think that my personal take is the pendulum swang, swung from like, everybody is afraid of it to now everyone's afraid to not take it. And there's a happy medium that we can all, yeah. that's where I'm landing. And I, I feel very confident about that yeah. just based on like so many of the researchers I've talked to. Yeah. And, yeah. And to you are, you are right there because I went, uh, met up with a couple of friends on a dog walk and we, we always end up talking about menopause and periods and they're they're not uh this they're they're not peri uh, uh, at all they're, they're still experiencing their proper periods and um but because of the program they've both gone out and one of them is on the pill anyway but they, they've both gone out and gone got eight like you know privately and got hrt patches but before they were like, but so I was like, so you spent like most of your life fine and dandy, you know, dealing with your periods. But because of this now, you've gone out and you've got HRT patches. And I'm like, you know, 
calm down a little bit kind of thing. You're still experiencing your your period. Yeah, that's like that's a good thing. You know, panic a little bit when you get to Perry and then when you, <laughs> when you get your period. And I've been having like period symptoms for the last six weeks now. I've been in con- permanent thinking I'm going to get my period today, like period pain, you know, sore wow. breasts, bloating. Over the six weeks I've spent like that, you know, none of my bras fit, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm digging I'm digging out the, the oldest bra in the world just because I know there's no elastic left in it and it'll fit, you know. I'm spending my time in a sports bra because it doesn't matter what size boob you are, it'll fit, you know. Right. So, yeah, so I spent the last six weeks like that. So I'm like, girls, calm down because, you know, you're still getting regular periods here. Every 28 days you're getting your periods. You're fine, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's, it, you're right. There's like like that, that panic stations. And I think that's where we are at the moment, definitely. So, yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, but it's, it's just, yes. I mean, educating yourself and then, you know, everyone's got a course of action that is right for them. And, you know, I think that that's. Yeah. That's where we come down. So how are you feeling about the your training and the trip and everything that's coming up? Um, if anything, it's made me the uncertainty. I'm not one to back down from any particular challenge. Like the harder it is, like like going for a run in the storm or like really bad winds and stuff. I'm not, I've, I'll take it, tackle it head on. So if anything, it makes me more determined to succeed and more determined after the expedition to show you know life does not end here you know it's um i'll be 50 when i come back so i might be in menopause then and i don't know um all very uncertain but it's it makes me more determined to carry on because i just hear so many women um like rusting away they just they resign themselves to the fact that this is their lives now they'll sit in a chair, you know, go for a stroll just to get some fresh air, you know, stop sport because they they think their bone density is going to, you know, they're going to snap or something, you know. And there's one lady that lives in my village and she just turned around. She, she's, she, she, has, she owns pigs. And she's, she's known as like the pig lady in the village and uh, she's quite eccentric. And she just said, you know what, girls, I'd rather wear out than rust away. And, you know, the woman's in her 80s. And we see her like power walking around the place with her with her dogs and and stuff. And she's real stuff and bloody nonsense. You know, get out of my way. You know, I'm on a mission kind of thing. And you see her and you think, wow, okay, maybe not the craziness. I don't want that. But I want I want I want the that attitude of I'm going to keep going. I'm totally going to keep going. And if anything, my low moods make it more of a challenge. And this is how I get over my low mood. My low mood poses another a, a greater challenge to me, and I love a challenge, and that's how I see it. And I love to overcome a challenge, and I'm driven by that. So I, you know, yeah. Weather the storm. I love that. I yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great way to actually wrap this up. How can people fo- follow you guys and what you're doing? Well, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on LinkedIn. And uh, our tags are Antarctic Fire Angels. If you Google us, Antarctic Fire Angels, we have a website. If anybody is in the mood for donating any any bit of cash, look, you know, 
10 pounds buys us one meal, you know, and that makes us a, a huge, huge, huge difference every time. So, you know, it's it's another meal that we can tick off the overall bill. So if anybody is inclined to donate, they can. It's all on the website. It's really super, super easy. But we've got all our social media. If anybody wants to get in touch with us, the email address is on there as well. Or on Instagram or Twitter on, on direct message. We're open to all channels. Yeah, I'll put the I'll put clickable links in the show notes. And just cool. to put a pin on this, this is a charitable venture. Like what is yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're doing it for the firefighters charity. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so that uh, gives uh, rehab to serving firefighters and their families and retired firefighters as well. So it's not just physical rehab; it's also mental rehab as well. So it's and also the Harlequins Foundation. Harlequins is a rugby team here in the UK, massive club, and they have a foundation that engages. Um, young girls into sport and builds their confidence. So it's young, young people, but they do focus on uh, young girls and young women, getting them into sport and building their confidence through sport. And they learn communication skills and, and all sorts of things like that. So yeah, that's what we're doing. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time and um, I really love your spirit and I'm, I'm rooting for you to do this. Thank so you. yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. I'll, I'll put clickable links to the show notes in the show notes so people can follow you and donate if they are so inclined and uh, best of luck to you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Well, that's our show. Join me next week for a conversation with Liz Carlson. Liz is a longtime friend of mine who spent her 30s and 40s breaking records and chasing Olympic dreams as a track racer while putting growing her family on the back burner. Then, at the age of 50, she decided to turn conventions on their head, and she had her second baby at 52. As a mutual friend of ours said, now that's feisty menopause. We talk all about her journey and what the future may hold for athletic professional women who are redefining cultural norms. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Mm-hmm.